The word multimedia is the use of a variety of artistic or communicative media using more than one medium of expression or communication. Café is a type of establishment that serves coffee and is known as a place where information can be exchanged. The following is the audio version of the Multimedia Café. Welcome to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Well, we've got a fantastic program in store for you today, and I want to get right into our program. Jen Decker-Wright out of Resolute Recruiting. She doesn't even talk about recruiting today. That's what I love about the Multimedia Cafe. We go all over the place. She's from Colorado but she works in the oil and gas recruiting industry. So she talks to people all over the U.S. Interesting, interesting conversation. We talk about bolder Democrats. We talk about millennials. We talk about uh, women in energy. And there's a social happy hour coming up on the 22nd we want to talk about as well. So Jen Decker-Wright coming up here on the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. You're listening to the Multimedia Cafe, and this is Jen Decker Wright. This is Jen Decker Wright for Resolute Recruiting. Thank you very much for joining us. I saw the post on LinkedIn of all places, and it had something to do with a social and energy conference. And I said, you know what? Two out of three ain't bad. I don't even know what the third is yet. So, what's going on with Jen Decker? What's and Jen Decker Wright and this uh, social that you guys have, and then the conference? Well, we are um, an upstream services uh, oil and gas recruiting firm, and we are hosting a networking event for, well, anybody in the oil and gas industry that's visiting or local to Denver um, for this kind of kickoff to the Your Tech or Unconventional Resources Conference that's coming up on the 22nd of July, and uh, I believe they're having a uh, kickoff happy hour themselves, and we are extending that um, down the street at Live at Jack's uh, Jazz Club with barbecue, drinks, and plenty of networking. Um, what was the name of that place? Second event. Sorry, Live at Live at Jack's. Jack's, okay. And yeah, used to be Jazz at Jack's, and uh, so we'll just we're just hosting a kind of a powwow get together where people uh, of like mind in the industry, whether that's operators, service providers, um, equipment providers, you know, you name it. Anybody that has uh, a stake in oil and gas industry is more than welcome to show up and network and just kind of meet some new friends and possible business acquaintances and uh, try to make some some stuff happen. It's, it's always a fun time. Uh, we're hosting. We're going to have a um, like I said, plenty of cocktails, uh, but we're we're getting some barbecue together, and it should be a nice event. It's our second one, and the last turnout was really nice too. Hoping to make this a little bit bigger, and with your help, it might might really be big. Well, maybe now with the next question, because we talk brass tacks here. Uh, is it a you got to pay at the door? Is it a cash bar? Is is there someone sponsoring the whole event? Um, you know, if I'm going to the event, putting out a few bucks, is that? Um, what, what, what's, what, what are my expectations in my wallet when I go to your yes, event? Yes. 
So expectations to the wallet are it is free entry. Um, we are uh, hosting the event. Resolute Recruiting is the host. And so um, definitely bring your business relevant ID card or, or business card rather and your ID because it is a club. So ID is required for entrance. It's Colorado, so they ID everyone. Um, but we'll be handing out drink tickets and anything above that, people can pay cash bar if they want to go above and beyond on some, you know, high end, you know, whatever. If they're getting out their crazy McAllen shots, I don't think we're hosting that. But we will get the party started, so to speak. <laughs> well, at least you're being honest about it, because I, I've been to a few oil and gas events, and the only thing I need to say is they know how to work hard and play hard. So. It's... Oh. No question. I've I've been to a few myself, and um, we're we're not big pimping like you know the the operators, but we're we're here to put on a good time and hopefully make it worthwhile for the folks that show up, um, uh, specifically for for business connections. And there's a lot of political upheaval in Colorado in general, and I know a few people from um, uh, WOGA, Women of Oil and Gas, uh, Colorado Oil and Gas Association. Uh, hopefully, our friends at Energy Strong Colorado will uh, be showing up or making an appearance, um, and you know anybody else that is there just to kind of figure out what's going on with uh, Colorado and what the industry is doing here. But I am a national oil and gas upstream services recruiter, so um, it's really about just me and our friends that are not local and uh, extending the handshake. Are are you out of Colorado? Yes. So, um, so you're you're national, located. but but you're actually physically in Colorado. Yes, sir. We're uh, our office is located in Niwot, Colorado, which is north of Denver, uh, kind of towards the the base of um, the Rockies, going towards Boulder. It's gorgeous up here. I wouldn't want to work anywhere else, quite frankly. And um, it'll be exciting to go down to the big city, so to speak, and and just meet a bunch of new people. The last uh, conference that we hosted, a happy hour, was for the Doug conference, and that was a nice turnout. I'm hoping to make this a little bit bigger, though. Um, what, what, is a, what is a like-minded person in Colorado these days? You know, it's kind of a, it's a different question because I don't think there is an easy answer for this. Uh, well, I was thinking, are you trying to trick me into something here? But there isn't an easy answer. It, um, uh, Colorado overwhelmingly voted against Proposition 112 back in, what? when's our voting, November? <laughs> um, back in November, that was voted down, and that was the proposition to ban um, drilling within, I believe, 2,500 feet of, uh, whether it was a residence or a, a water, whatever. It was, it was a really convoluted um, proposition that uh, the, the state overwhelmingly voted down because it would have virtually prohibited uh, any uh, future drilling for oil and gas in Colorado. And um, and now, uh, with uh, the new governor in place, he's doing some, in my personal opinion, really shady business trying to, under the radar, put legislation through. Um, first off, on the first snowpocalypse we had of the season, I'll, I'll joke, but it was like a really bad snow. Um, and he was diligently working from his car 
um, while running idle gas um, and working to uh, prohibit future drilling or make it more in the uh, county's uh, purview to decide if drilling would happen in their individual counties. And that was all, um, from my understanding, sponsored by uh, mostly boulderites that um, the least amount of drilling, as, as far as I know, happened in that uh, uh, kind of that side of the realm. <laughs> uh, Weld County does, I think it's 80% of the oil production in the state, and it borders Boulder County, which is... A- Jen Decorite, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment or two. We're going to take a brief pause. We come back, we'll continue the conversation with Jen Decorite from Resolute Recruiting. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Multimedia Cafe Week in Review. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. And then you let people make up their own minds. You want someone who's competent. You don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Speece on the radio. And if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Speece, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Speece. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool, joining the conversation right here on the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we continue the conversation with Jen Decker-Wright out of Resolute Recruiting. The least amount of drilling, as far as I know, happened in that uh, kind of that side of the realm. <laughs> uh, Weld County does, I think it's 80% of the oil production in the state. And it borders Boulder County, which is, a, you know, again, personally, there's a lot of uninformed people that are afraid of what fracking or the oil and gas industry is because they don't have the proper information to make an educated argument one way or the other, whatever it is. Um, and so, and one of the things that I'm excited about and that I follow regularly is Energy Strong. Um, they've got a real following out here, and their their job is, and they're oil and gas industry professionals, and they're they're going to bat, um, going to the courthouses, going to um, government, you know, gatherings, uh, town halls, but they're also disseminating the information that they glean. Um, I believe in a as much as it can be um, nonpartisan way. Uh, so it, it's not leaning right or left if you're going to talk politics, but it's definitely pro oil and gas, and uh, because we care about our livelihoods in this industry. So um, I'm just excited because there's a lot of people that will be at this conference 
that I'll be able to personally just have conversation with as a lay person. I've only been in oil and gas recruiting for a, just over a year, and so I've had my uh, plate full for learning, learning, learning all of the different uh, realms, and, and there's no way in heck I'm ever going to, you know, feel like I've accomplished any of that knowledge. Um, and I'm sorry I'm rambling, but I'm just so excited no. to meet people and kind of suck in the, the information I'm, and learn as much as I can. I'm very glad you are rambling. In fact, I wanted to ask <laughs> you about your perception of oil and gas. Um, I, in fact... I've just done three solid hours of interviews, and one of the topics that kept coming up over and over and over again, and I don't know your age, but was uh, millennials, how there is this, you know, rash, there's this perception of millennials. And my, my thought is pretty simple, that I feel bad for millennials because they grew up in a very extreme world. Everything was the best. Everything was the worst. And... They, they didn't even have individualism. They sat at desks. I mean, sorry, tables, not desks. And everything was team-oriented, everything else. So they, they were in a very polarizing world, and then they didn't have a lot of individualism. Now they're on the real world, and they're trying to figure out their definition of them and their, their, what they want to do in their life. And they're being told who they are every day. Every day by different mm-hmm. groups and this and that. And I, I again, I, I feel bad. I'm a gen. Right. I, I'm a gen. Negative. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. It, it is. Um, but it was prompted early by this. Hey, they're going to save the world. These young entrepreneurs, and then all of a sudden, on a dime, it just turned. You know, it just like it just completely turned. <laughs> and again, it's that polarization part. I, I come from the Gen X uh, d- demographic. Hey, man, we're lazy. Whatever, man. You know, Colorado. <laughs> Hey man, Colorado, right up my alley. And so <laughs> the first gas and grass fest by Gen Xers, you know. Um, but uh, millennials, you know, like I said, they kind of got batted back and forth like pin- ping pongs. And now they're in the real world. Where I'm going with this is you've been in the energy industry now for a year. What I've seen over the last decade is when a millennial enters the oil and gas industry, they almost become their biggest cheerleader. Whereas when they didn't, when they were not in the industry, they almost had a socialized engineer perception of the energy industry to where when they got into it, it was so wrong and so different. They almost overcorrect to become a cheerleader. I don't know if I, now I'm rambling. Well, no, I I think I understand your question. You're, well, essentially you're saying it's a it's polarizing because the um, the millennials you didn't say this but it's my perception that uh, and I'm not a millennial I'm just out of that just a, a few years out of that uh, generation and um, they are very much so you know they care about our environment there's no question right they care about you know making you know <laughs> paper straws, for God's sake, okay, Um, for example, um, doing the little things that they can, and they're kind of dealt um, a, I don't know, a rough hand, I think, uh, based on what you said earlier, Um, and because everybody says the word millennial, and there's always a negative connotation to it, um, I also think that they're really trying to prove themselves in an industry that... Um, not necessarily the oil and gas industry, but any industry, when they go in, um, they have some really great ideas that maybe progressive thinking and, like, would actually uh, progress 
a company, um, whichever business perspective that may be, offering new points of views that perhaps the senior management or ownership isn't willing to consider because eh, it's worked fine the way it's always been and we're not willing to change or grow or whatever. And um, specifically to the oil field, uh, from what I've seen, is there's there's plenty of guys that are, uh, because baby boomers are all getting to the point where they're very close to retirement if they aren't already, and we need to have the, um, the younger folks come up, whether that's millennials or whatever, and, and people in their 30s and 40s need to be promoted more from what I can see. Um, a little more readily and their ideas need to be considered a little bit more um, in order for businesses to maintain uh, progressive forward movement um, and and maintain viability and, and just keep up with uh, technology so to speak I mean there's people that think oh we've always done it this way it's worked fine and we're still making money well, well mo- more power to them but the truth is is if you don't continually infuse fresh blood or fresh perspective or at least, very least, keep up um, on what's going on with your competitors and and do what you can to maintain that, you might find yourself, you know, not with a job or a business. Um, And so one of the ways they can do that would be to encourage growth from the bottom, and that would be from the younger generation that they need to train up. Um, But the difficulty is, is there's a lot of younger generation that, that absolutely thinks they have to go to college and get into debt and no kidding, like upwards of a hundred grand in debt and they will never, ever, ever pay it off unless they're in the oil and gas industry or some very specialized um, business. So uh, turns out uh, college degree is great and everything, but you don't need that in the oil and gas industry for the most part. So I would encourage people to just... uh, apply and start getting in on the ground up if they can. Well, you'd like our program. Six years ago, we started doing stories on, um, actually seven years ago, the trades and the two-year degrees versus the four-year degrees that the four-year degrees mm-hmm. were not giving you a long-term net gain. They were they were producing too much debt for someone to you know, really get back on their feet with the job market the way it was. Whereas if you mm-hmm. went if you went in the oil and gas industry or you, even if you got your CDL went out and became a truck driver, by the time you're 22 years old, you could have a half a million dollars in the bank and go start a subway franchise or go do whatever you want. I mean, there's the yeah. the world's your oyster at that point. You can go to school then if you want to, but um, there was just a transition happening in the marketplace that was just so apparent. You know, I used to joke. When I was in college, all the computer programmers, you know, there were CSI and MSI and MIS and all these different acronyms. I used to joke that, you, you know, you're writing code to put yourself out of business, right? <laughs> They'd be like, what? And I'd be like, that's what you're doing, man. And so lo and behold, that's ends up what happens to some people. But uh, by the way, folks, Jen Decker Wright with us, Resolute Recruiting Real Treat. Not only is she a oil and gas recruiter, but... She also also lives in Colorado, so she gets the national conversation, but the local perspective, and uh, it's a rare thing to have these days. Um, I did want to ask you about women in the industry. We talked about the millennials and kind of that retirement. By the way, 70% of the the, um, industry will be be retired by 2022, I'm told. 2022. So, yeah, they call it the big cruise shift. I called it the retirement issue. 
uh, I ended up talking to a number of people in uh, a conference in Gillette, and we were all talking about the same deal, but we just had different names for it. And so it's, wow. yeah, it is, it's, it's about 70% of the industry by 2022 will be retired and it'll be a whole new industry. So there is a bit of a vetting process going on right now in the industry because of the younger thought process of, okay, how environmental are we here? Like, are we, you know, call, are, are we call Boulder, Colorado, or are we, uh, you know, Grand Junction, Colorado? <laughs> Um, I will, somewhere in between my personal, my personal perspective is I'm a very middle of the road um, in in anything with uh, with anything cons- like uh, politics um, I'm middle of the road I like to call myself a think for myself or like give me all of the information I will also seek out information and I'm not talking about like Jen Decker right I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment or two we're going to take a brief pause we come back we'll continue the conversation with Jen Decker Wright from Resolute Recruiting my name is Jason Spies this is the Multimedia Cafe Week in Review Historic the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool, joining the conversation right here on the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we continue the conversation with Jen Decker-Wright out of Resolute Recruiting. You know, from partisan sites or, you know, something that clearly will just align with my own views, I am absolutely willing to listen to other people's perspectives. Um, And I... I personally feel um, more confident about the industry that I'm in now that I have more personal knowledge about it. Meaning, if somebody wants to say, oh, you're in oil and gas, you know, how does that make you feel, you know, you know, contributing to the downfall of the environment, if that's what they said. I don't think anybody would ever have the brass cojones to say some stuff like that to me. But um, if they did, I would be prepared to have an intelligent conversation with them about, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, I, I didn't realize your point of view. I'm interested in learning more about how you think we can sustain our environment. Um, and what are, what are the solutions? Because there's a lot of people that will complain about just anything, not just this environment issue. In, in general, people complain, um, bitch and moan, and, and then they don't offer up solutions or what the next step is to remedy said problem, right? And um, one of the things that the Boulderites, um, I will lump it in because I, I have to say it's like their, their, their city car is a Subaru or a Prius, and that's fine. 
Um, what? Not a Tesla? I'm just kidding. I had to take a shot there. And, Sorry. and Tesla. And nope, you got it. That's in there too. But that's for the other folks that actually can afford to drive nice cars. Um, because they also live in a big house that is fueled by natural gas that is locally drilled. So, um, and it's drilled within Weld County, most likely, or somewhere on a farmland, or in my case, thank God, I was lucky. I moved into a, a house in, uh, in Thornton, and two months later got word from a, an EMP that they were going to be drilling in our area, and so now I'm getting oil and gas money, so I don't mind. Here, here's what um, here's one of the things that we talk about on this program. Sorry to sidebar for just a second because you know we're a non-political sure. show, but some of the things we do talk about stems around some policy. Normally, when it happens, but one of the things that we are talking about right now is what if we shifted the subsidies that have gone to oil to solar and wind? Okay, for forty years mm-hmm. now. For 40 years, solar and wind have gotten subsidies, and they put the benchmarks out, okay? 20 years, they got a lot of solar and wind subsidies. Well, now they're like apparently the the next generation of energy, yet they haven't proven anything in 40 years to the tune to where every person that puts solar panels on their house, their McMansions in Texas, they didn't gain any money, okay? Um, the 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 solar industry and the wind industry promised they would have affordable energy for us 20 years ago. We gave them more money. They promised again. They don't have it. The most affordable thing to the consumer that solar offers is probably a cell phone charger for when you go camping. Maybe. No, I'm being totally serious, though. Maybe like, you know, your ice shack on the weekends, you power it up during the week with a solar panel. You can get a couple week, you know, maybe a couple days worth of energy. My point is, is you can't do much with it. Wind, forget about it. Farmers 150 years ago were more efficient with the windmills than we are today. And that is, that there's, oh yeah, all they did is they used water to, you know, get, they used uh, wind to get water out of the ground and, and uh, basically power their barn. Oh yeah. That was, and that was more efficient than what we're doing today. And in fact, those farmers had a better reclamation program than what we have today for their windmills. Okay. Now. What if Let me we ask you just really quick too, yeah. Jason, that um, something that people don't take into account is um, how do those windmills get, you know, built in the first place? And oh, it's, one way it's ridiculous. And then, and then you rip out the forests. <laughs> With diesel. <laughs> well, not only that, but you, you, you got to rip out the forests and then it, it upsets the migration patterns of birds. And listen, there's wind energy. Right. Wind energy is probably, and I'm being totally honest. Probably the least environmental out of all the energies, and that includes coal, okay? I mean, totally, oh, wow. okay. I yeah. mean, totally honest when I say that because America's air has progressively gotten cleaner for the last 100 years, and it is one of the top in the nation, and we are the ones bringing regulations over to other countries. So I've, I've, I've had it with the, with the cult of environmentalism on our program because it is no longer political, they are affecting policy and the way people do lives. Now, if, if we want to live like Germany, who just fired up the coal plants again last month because their 10-year push on renewables didn't work, but guess what? Their energy bill is now times four to five what it was, a while, was, what it was five years ago. So if I Amer- read that too. So yeah. if America wants your energy bill to be quadrupled and then you just got to fire up the coal plants anyways, keep going. You keep going, America, because that's what's happening. So 
Mike, 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 sorry, I, I, you got me on a soapbox here. Normally, I don't do this. I, and I want to ask you about women and energy next, which is terrible because it's like, you know, we're leading, we're, we're all over the board here. So what, what we're trying to have a civil conversation about is the solar and wind energies. If you were to give them a letter grade, they would get a D or probably an F because that, that's by their standards, no one else's. Now, what if we took 50% of those or even 100% of those subsidies, shifted them to natural gas? Number one, it would solve the flaring issue in the Bakken and down in the Permian and other areas quickly because the energy industries, you pay more taxes than anybody, you got more regulations than anybody, and guess what? You still make sure that the churches have bake sales and you still make sure the Little League people have baseball uniforms. Now you got to go... It's fun to every science project there is too. No, it ain't happening. I get it. I get it. So imagine if they got a subsidy, not not a tax credit, a subsidy, so that all of these that that crazy guy up in Canada who's mining bitcoins from natural gas, give him some money to try it. Why not? It might solve something. How about that guy down in you know down in uh, Texas who's figured out a way to turn natural gas into water so he can put a greenhouse in the middle of the desert? Oh, that sounds like a good idea. So what I'm getting at is you might you might get some you might find some new super plastic where everybody can have a pool in their backyard for fifteen hundred bucks or better yet XL well, that'd be nice. or better yet XL Energy who I believe is in Colorado can do what they yes. what they want to do which is put in fueling stations in everybody's garage so if you had a natural gas powered car you could fuel it in at the end of the night and it'd be charged up ready to go by the beginning of the day how's that for green? Now you're not flaring anything. You're, t you're turning vehicles into net. That's what I mean. The, my point is, is that if the subsidies were shifted, all of a sudden the creative innovation, smart, clever, clever capitalists would come out of the woodwork instead of being funneled down the, the solar and wind. All right. So you, you, you heard my soapbox. The basic question is about <laughs> natural gas subsidies with a purpose, with an actual purpose. We could solve the flaring problem in five years. Um, well, I, I think that a natural gas subsidy would make sense. Um, I've, I've seen people fueling up with, you know, uh, natural gas. Um, I know the cars do not, cars or trucks that are converted to that, um, for like the, the forest service, for example. Um, I believe they use trucks that, uh, use LNG and I don't believe they run as far or as long, meaning they have to fill up every single day anyway. In, so in, um, if they're going to be in, on... In, I'm sorry, <laughs> in, in Detroit, uh, Ford has some experiments going, and they can't go on more than 150 miles in a day. Yeah, it's yep. very really minimal. Um, but but for a lot of people run around town, you know, when you're only driving 10 miles to work or five miles back, it works really well. That sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. If you had yeah. that, like you said, like a fueling station in your in your garage or, or not, maybe not your garage. I oh, no, no, works, no. It's but, actually um, the garage. It's just all it is is it's it's goes from the gas line right to your car. That's huh. that's how easy it is. That's what I mean. That's that's where the technology is. But like, you know, Cummings had to stop investing in engines because they couldn't figure out a way to get those, you know, those trucks over. Um, the, the Rocky mountains Cummings engines is a, one of the, one of the big yes, engines yes, that, no, okay, they, they go into trucks and semis and they couldn't figure out how to get over the Rocky mountains. And then, you know, the downturn happened and guess what? The downturn happens. R and D goes away right away. R and D goes yes. away pretty quick. 
And that's what I mean. I'm not trying to get in a political battle here or say one energy is better than the other. All I'm saying is that solar and wind is at a 40-year body of work, and they've gotten 40 years of subsidies. And natural gas, you know, oil and gas doesn't get subsidies. They're lucky if they can get a tax break. <laughs> I mean, in North Dakota, they get taxed like 11.5%. It's like one of the highest in the nation. Yet when, when they try to get a tax break, everybody calls it a subsidy. It ain't a subsidy. It's a tax break. So I don't know. Um, we, we're, we're, we're into words here. and We like to keep people true to their meaning. You know, when you were, I remember, anyway, you're saying something earlier about uh, shady. And I, and I thought, actually, if you look up the word shady in the dictionary, what your governor did in Colorado was actually shady. He presented himself as oh, a certain I, way. And he, no and, and when it came to it, he wasn't that. And he thinks he did it for the greater good. And so it was justified in his mind. And, that's why he believes that, you know, his shady behavior is okay. But at the end of the day, it's still defined as shady by Webster's Dictionary. So it's... It, it definitely yeah. is. Yeah. And I Jen Decker, right? I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment or two. We're going to take a brief pause. We come back. We'll continue the conversation with Jen Decker, right? From Resolute Recruiting. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Multimedia Cafe Week in Review. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool, joining the conversation right here on the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we continue the conversation with Jen Decker-Wright out of Resolute Recruiting. It is shady by Webster's Dictionary. So it's... It, it definitely yeah. is. Yeah. And I, I, there's a lot of... Um, it, it's it's disappointing more than anything that you, when your state, I don't, again, I don't care what way you voted, but you vote and you vote a certain way. And then the majority speaks to what they want to pass. And then he directly went against that, but figured out a loophole to circumvent the the terminology. Let's say he just, he went to, oh, well, we couldn't get that done because it was voted down, but let's do this and let's make it really difficult and, um, you know, slow up, you know, gum up the works, so to speak. And uh, it just matters who, who's lining their pockets, I guess, the most, but it doesn't make a lot of sense to me um, because I feel like Colorado's pockets are lined by the energy industry a lot because we produce a lot here. I think we produce, um, we're in the top five. The, so the top oil-producing counties in the U.S., Weld County is number three, which is where I drive through to, to come to work every day. 
and they do 13.7 million barrels a month. Number three in the nation. And yet Colorado state governor is trying to um, dampen that by making it in the county's best interest to decide if they can uh, drill or not. And well, that's fine. Um, well, county is, is on board with the oil and gas industry, um, but there are certain cities within the county that um, you know don't want anything to do with it, and that's fine. I mean, that's that's their prerogative if they're if people are voting that way. But what's the problem is, or what the problem is, is that um, the commissioners of different chairs or whatever they just decide, no, we're not going to do this, or we're not going to have a public vote, or in fact, we're going to put put this through so quickly, nobody has time to even know we're doing it. That's what's shady. So um, it's just all under the radar, they think. But, you know, I hope they remember that when the next voting season comes around. Um, and I hope people actually choose to get out and vote the way that they believe. Uh, again, whichever way that is, I just encourage people to vote, period. I, I can right. I can tell you from an, an outside perspective that did not follow this on a day-to-day, -day, nor was I enveloped in the day-to-day -day culture of it was uh, after the governor won, you know, I, and I followed the SB, was it uh, 112, Prop 112, and then SB 181, so it had been Prop 112 that yeah. was on the ballot. So I followed that, and right. I followed that the governor's fun. race and everything like that, and um, honestly, I kind of got all jumbled up with the whole SB uh, 181 and the Prop 112. I got confused. In the pro and because it happened so fast, um, what caught my attention is when the governor came out and called it the war on oil and gas. I went, I turned my head and went, "Whoa, Colorado just took a hard turn there." I didn't realize they were so anti-fossil fuels to where the governor would come out and call it the war on oil and gas, and that to me was shady because I thought, okay, if you would have campaigned like that, I don't think you would have won, buddy. Um, he wouldn't have. And, and, and okay, so I, he I did never, not. He did not campaign like that, right? He did not, because that was no, the first time I heard that term not. was after he was elected. Okay, all right. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, he's from Boulder, from what I understand. So there's, I mean, in hindsight, I voted my conscience and I voted him, uh, which I'm almost ashamed to say. But Jeez, I better edit that uh, out quick. Hang on. I know, I know. Just cut it out, cut it out, Jason. I'm saying it only because I agreed with certain think platforms that he ran on. None of them had to do with the oil and gas industry, by the way. And do you think I would have voted that way, considering I was in this industry at that point? No. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it's ridiculous, you know. And I voted no against one one twelve. Um, and most of the state did as well. I was a proponent or an advocate and was posting like a, up a storm about people. You better get out and vote. If you, if you don't think this can affect your livelihoods, you're wrong, that kind of a thing. And, um, again, not to be on a soapbox, but for information reasons, like you don't realize what this is actually going to do. It's a fancy worded, you know, thing that, Oh, it's not going to be within a, a waterway or in your backyard. And it's like, well then quit building your friggin' houses on top of a well site. How about that? So the whole problem, one of the major problems here is that, um, the, the issue in Firestone, Colorado, where the, the, unfortunately two lives were lost. I, I understand that, um, something wasn't plugged properly. 
and so there was an explosion or a, or a major fire at least and um these people are saying you know well the oil and gas industry needs to be safer and they need to do more they need to do more and more and more well first off accidents do happen in any industry and um last i checked maybe don't friggin build a residential um whatever community on top of a well pad <laughs> i'm not i'm i'm not a rocket scientist but I, i'm pretty sure you you on purpose shouldn't do those kinds of things, or you should be careful with where you're digging. Um, and I don't think it's those people's fault. It was an accident. Accident happened. And that was Jen Decker Wright with Resolute Recruiting. To listen to the full length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Multimedia Cafe is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. All those social media links can be found at thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. That's going to do it for today's program. Thank you for listening here on the radio. For those of you tuning in via the old school radio waves, thank you very much. And then those of you streaming us on the Internet, well, thank you as well. And for those of you podcasting, all right, you ready for this? I'm told you're supposed to leave links. I'm sorry, comments. See, I can't even do this right. So... I'm not a big fan of asking people for help. It's not my style. And I'm not a big fan of asking people to leave comments on my podcasts because I don't really care. Um, If you like it, great. If you don't, great. I mean, we put out exclusive interviews with experts, people who know what they're talking about. People come up to me all the time and say, we love your show. We learn something. We laugh. And so we like that. And apparently, in the world of the new media, your, your comments, you know, the ones that people come up to you at the cafe or people come up to you at the conferences and that sort of thing, they want them online now. So if you're listening to one of the podcasts and you feel like leaving us a comment, feel, oh, great, appreciate it very much. If not, that's okay, too. So there's me asking for a little bit of help. I'm not very good at it. Um, yeah, so let's just uh, let's, let's, let's end this me asking you for helping me and that sort of thing so comments podcasts great if you're listening on the radio we'll be back next week at this time on this radio station all right that's going to do for me folks i'm looking at the clock and i thank you for tuning in to the multimedia cafe week in review my name is jason spies asking you to savor life and enjoy the spice The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative. The cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. With construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. 
Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. 